Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Volume. The 3 and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Brandon Staley and the Chargers. Some thoughts on them. Some thoughts on Seattle. Uh, we will have Colin on the show after Monday night show, after the Monday night football game. We will have another show, obviously, Sunday, uh, reacting to three games. Today is reacting to the Saturday games. I threw in a little Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in. The next mailbag will be on uh, Tuesday's show. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be just Coward and me and then some mailbag questions. So get in the mix. Get on it right now. If you subscribe on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. Let's dive into some football. But before we do that, I got to tell you about my friends at GameTime. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in America. I'm going to my first ever hockey game this week. NHL game. Phoenix Coyotes, Washington Capitals. This Thursday, I'm going because of game time. Here's what you do. You go to the game time app. You go to your Apple phone. That's what most of you have, I'm sure. But if you don't, go to your app store. Download game time. Sign up. And when you make your first purchase, use the promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, for $20 off. That's JOHN, my name, J-O-H-N, for $20 off. NBA games, NHL games. You live in one of these cities with uh, football that's still going on, playoff game, boom, got you covered. Concerts, college basketball, you name it, any event. Download the GameTime app, sign up, and use my promo code, J-O-H-N. I used it. I'm going to a hockey game, my first ever. Pretty fired up, not going to lie. Do it right now. Love my friends at GameTime. Can't recommend them enough. Where do we start? (laughs) Where, oh, where do we start? There's a tried and true formula in the sport of football. The importance of coaching at the highest levels of high school, the highest levels of college, and obviously in the NFL are very, very important. You can be an average coach with great players and get away with it in certain games, certain seasons. But in big moments, when you're facing another coach who is better than you and has equal the talent, you're eventually going to be in trouble. And I've been saying for a long time, I think Brandon Staley is a fraud. Last year, his defense was horrendous. They lost to the Raiders to get into the playoffs in what I thought would be tough to top as one of the most embarrassing losses I've ever seen. Well, he did it. Tonight, against the Jacksonville Jags. 
up 27 to nothing. 27 to nothing. Now, in fairness to Staley, over the second half of this season, his defense, which he is the defensive coordinator of, has been much better and has been good. And I think you'd think that I was going to give him credit for being up 27 to nothing and having four first-half interceptions against the former number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. But as a wise man once said, he might run the volume, his name's Colin Coward, if you want credit, go to a bank. I wasn't going to give you any credit for that. Because four of those picks, three of them, were just horrendous decisions by Trevor Lawrence. Throws it right to Asante Samuel, who, when I was with the Eagles, Asante Samuel was our best corner, makes a bunch of plays. Like father, like son. And his other pick was hit off a helmet. Freaky play. I'm not giving Brandon Staley any credit on those picks. But when you're leading and you're going to win a playoff game, like it's hard to take away. You win a playoff game. I give you credit for playoff wins. Up 27 to nothing, what looked like going into the halftime, I was like, how do you blow this game? I had a buddy in the league who also does not like him goes, I don't even think he can blow it. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, they have a touchdown drive at the end of the first half. And then the second half, what happens? Coaching. I don't know what's said in the locker room at halftime. We don't know the exact halftime adjustments, certain routes against certain coverages. I think a lot of halftime, and you saw Doug Peterson at the end of the first half, just says, he just needs to calm down. We're going to be okay. Just take care, better care of the football, and we'll be all right. What does Doug Peterson have? The only Super Bowl in Philadelphia Eagles history. And he did it with a backup quarterback. Former quarterback. Understands the mindset and the way those guys are wired. Clearly goes into halftime as a the head coach slash play caller and gets a hold of his guy. And Trevor Lawrence, who we'll get into in a second, comes out and dominates. Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator, spotted this enormous lead, just has to not allow them to score touchdowns. Maybe a touchdown here or a touchdown there, but they can't score several touchdowns. It's the only way they can get back in the game. You're up 27-7. to Hell, one more touchdown from you, Probably ices it. But what happens? Blown coverage after blown coverage. Trevor Lawrence, touchdown after touchdown. All of a sudden, you're looking up. The Jags have the ball because Doug Peterson had gone for two, only down two, drive the field and get in field goal range and win the game. If the Spanos family, who historically is one of the cheapest families in all of professional sports, if they can't look themselves in the mirror and go, now's the time. We need to obviously fire this guy who is over his head as the head coach. You can clearly do better. And sometimes when you go, well, you could clearly do better. The Raiders are about to figure this out. Can they do better than Derek Carr? History would tell us probably not. But there's a guy sitting out there right now at co- for, uh, to be their coach who is in L.A. all the time for Fox in Sean Payton, who is an offensive guy. You have the most talented quarterback. I'm not saying the best but he's definitely the most talented of the last three guys you've had. Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, and now this guy. One thing Phillip Rivers never truly had, had a moment with Marty, never had really good coaches. Always went with cheap coordinators. And what did it get him? Not that far. Underachievement. Drew Brees had to leave the Chargers to go to the Saints and link up with Sean Payton. Boom. They go like a rocket ship. Drew Brees is going to the Hall of Fame. Great coaching takes great talent and great quarterbacks as far as you want to go. And right now, Justin Herbert is with a guy who has no business being the head coach. 
and we saw it last year at the end of the season, and now we're seeing it this year at the end of the season. That was, I mean, that's beyond embarrassing. That's an all-time choke job. Obviously, the defense gave up all the points. He's the defensive coordinator. Multiple touchdowns that Trevor Lawrence threw. And listen, I give him credit for staying calm and collected, especially after the disaster. But guys were wide open because of miscommunications. Well, if miscommunication is going on, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. What is going on? Why do your defenders not know where to go? This is the 18th game of the season. And the other thing that stood out, obviously he blew a challenge late in the game. In fairness, Doug Peterson blew a challenge that he never threw the red flag for when he was standing there. So even if I, he was being aggressive, whatever, there was a moment tonight when one of the Chargers wide receivers got hurt. And the broadcast, and we'll get into that in a second, says, well, they're down to three wide receivers because Mike Williams didn't even make the trip. And it goes back to last week playing one of your best players, one of your most impactful players who has an injury history in that game is malpractice. That alone is a fireable offense, separate from the night. Even if they had won the night and got to next week against the Bills or the Chiefs and lost, I still would have fired him. Because what happened to Mike Williams? Now it's football. You can get hurt in practice. You can get hurt in the weight room. You can get hurt running sprints on your own to keep your cardio up. But to playing in a game that does not matter when you have an injury history and your impact and your importance to that said team is of the highest degree. And it's because your coach is okaying it when he easily could have been like, you're taking this week off. We just need to get you to next Saturday night. That alone was a fireable offense. And you saw the impact of it tonight when they had an injury and all of a sudden offensively, it's like Keenan Allen or bust. And I just think Brandon Staley, if Dean Spanos can't fire him tonight, I, I, I don't know what to say. But we should just pack up the Chargers. And just the NFL should grab Justin Herbert and put him somewhere else. Because th- that was an absolute terrible loss and really an impressive win by a championship-level coach. And speaking of a championship-level coach, he got the best out of his star quarterback. Now, Trevor Lawrence had one of the shittiest first halves you'll ever see. Four interceptions. And three of them were beyond horrendous. Hitting Asante Samuel, like right in the numbers, in stride. Can't happen. Not not in a playoff game. But, you know, most people, when things are going well, they can have success. They can carry themselves in the right way. Like, everyone's cocky when whatever business they're in, things are rolling. A lot of people made money in 2021. How'd it go in 2022? Bet not great. A lot of guys could throw touchdowns in the NFL. What happens the following week or the following half or the following drive when you throw a pick six? How do you react? And Trevor Lawrence, who, listen, I didn't even know what to make of it. I'm like, this is insane. He looks fucking awful. To come back out in the second half and dominate, because that's what he did, dominated, shows you a couple things. One, his mental toughness, like this is a playoff game. You know, at home, it's a big deal. Even though the, the brand, you know, it's the Chargers, not like you're playing the Bills or the Cowboys or whatever, but it's, we got 30 million people watching. Saturday night, NBC, Al Michaels calling it. To bounce back like that, to be as calm, cool, and collected as he was in the second half, to make as many plays, throw a dime after dime after dime, like, that's what it's supposed to look like. And honestly, I was impressed tonight with him 
as I would have been if he just would have had a seven-touchdown night and they would have won 50-30. to Because you learn more about a person, about a player, how they react when things are really, really shitty, in chaos. Why do we give the Bills assistant trainer so much credit for the DeMar Hamler situation? Because it's unprecedented. No one ever seen it. Dude's going to die right there on the field. That They can teach you all they want in classes, in a book, in YouTubes, whatever, you know, in uh, walkthroughs in your job, how to handle that situation. It's another thing when the dude's lying there on the ground, right? Any For any human being, anyone that's ever seen a doctor or a medical professional handle themselves in a plane, in an airport, in a situation outside of the hospital when someone goes down, it is remarkable because most of us freeze, we freak. It's a natural reaction. And just like when most people, shit starts hitting the fan, they fold. They fold. That is the majority of people. I'd argue in any business, when things turn, most people, it gets worse. The best, the cream of the crop, they lean into it and they figure a way out. It's why we have the haves and have-nots in this country. No different than why we have the haves and have-nots as players. Now, Trevor Lawrence, physically, really gifted player. Tall, can run, big arm. But tonight we saw him play at a high level. I thought last week against the Titans was pretty shitty. He was not very good. Obviously, this first half, it's hard to have a worse first half in NFL history. Four picks in the first half of a playoff game at home. But to bounce back like that, throw four touchdowns, take complete control of the game, and just eviscerate Brandon Staley's play calling uh, was really something cool to see. And really quick before we dive into Niners in Seattle, these games are an entertainment property. Obviously, the game, you know, is going to entertain us or, it, or it's not, right? Good game. Regardless what voices we hear, we're going to watch. Football, it doesn't matter who calls the games, right? Joe and Troy got $150 million to go to ESPN. Fox had better ratings this year with Burkhart and, and Greg Olson. I like Kevin Burkhart. I, I know him personally. I mean, I, I've, I've talked to him before. Don't know Greg Olson, but it just shows you, like, you get great games, you get high-level pros, it doesn't necessarily matter who's calling the game. But anyone listening to this, if your team doesn't always play in the A slot, especially when your team's having a rough year, you get the crappier announcers, <clears throat> and it can be a rough listen. Tonight, Al Michaels is a legend. And at 75, 76 years old, the energy he brings is fantastic. And Tony Dungy, by all accounts, incredible human being. Very accomplished football guy. Player, longtime assistant, resurrected Tampa, won a Super Bowl. Just because you have all these accolades and all these accomplishments doesn't mean you should be calling a game. I thought tonight was an embarrassment for NBC. Tony Dungy, like, take another, have another cup of coffee, man. I can barely hear you. Wake up. But in fairness to Tony Dungy, he's been that guy for a decade on television. He's really, really boring. Do better, NBC. Like, do better. You have a million people you could choose from. To just give us a little more energy. Like I said, it doesn't really matter who calls the game. But I thought tonight, like, wake up, Tony. I understand not everyone has unlimited energy. But Tony Dungy on a 1 to 10 scale of energy is like a 1. And I thought tonight was a pretty awful look for NBC. This is the playoffs. Holy shit. This is a big deal. This is the NFL. You're going to put this guy on? Put us to sleep? Al Michaels, who's 77 years old? has quadrupled the amount of energy he has on television? I thought it was a rough look. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. 
like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster, and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. 
See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 New York, Tennessee Redline 1-800-888-9789 Tennessee 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming Visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia Let's dive into the 49ers in Seattle. When you go all in at a quarterback in the draft all you're hoping for obviously we say a star quarterback we're just hoping for a guy that you know you can win with consistently. And the reason you win with most of the good quarterbacks <clears throat> is because when they're on the field, whether it's Joe Burrow, tonight Trevor Lawrence in the second half, obviously Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar when he's healthy, every single drive, as a fan of that team, you go, we might score a touchdown. We have a very good chance to drive 70, 80 yards and score a touchdown. I think sometimes we overcomplicate sports and if you come to this show, you know, like, I'm not breaking down in-depth analytic, uh, analytically of all the different angles of the game. All the other podcasts throughout the country have that market corner. That's not my stick. Now, I also think sometimes we put more emphasis on all these, like, specific yards per play, points per half. The number one thing you can try to do as a football team, win the game. And the number one thing you can do as an offense is, Score points. Pretty basic. Black and white. You could teach a five-year-old that. And one thing with the 49ers, when they drafted Trey Lance, they were hoping to get a more explosive player. Because Jimmy Garoppolo, while a solid, you know, just could man the ship, was never going to be Lewis Hamilton in a car that clearly had an upside to operate like the Mercedes F1 car, right? Because Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do it. So their mindset when they traded all those picks was to get Trey Lance, who had a much higher ceiling. Now, we've seen consistently in the NFL, a lot of people with quote-unquote high ceilings never get there. And a huge part of the draft is sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you get lucky. Now, you get credit for drafting whoever you draft, regardless of the round. Like, yeah, they passed on Dak several times and took him in the fourth round. They still liked him, and they drafted him. Yeah, they drafted multiple guys before they took Russell Wilson in the third. The Ravens took a player... I think it might have been two, but definitely one, Hayden Hurst, before they took Lamar Jackson. But they still drafted Lamar Jackson. And the 49ers clearly got lucky on Brock Purdy. Did they think he would be this good? Of course not. But I give him credit for drafting the guy. And I give him individually a ton of credit for, he's clearly pretty damn good. I've been watching the 49ers my entire life. I did not watch Joe Montana. I was born in the mid-80s. By the time I really came into my own, Steve Young was the quarterback. Steve Young's the best 49er quarterback I've ever seen by a long shot, right? Garcia had his moments. Kaepernick had a couple moments. Alex Smith had a couple moments. Jimmy Garoppolo had a couple moments. We could rank them. Kaepernick's ceiling was the highest. Garcia was actually the most fun. Alex was the best story. And Jimmy just won four playoff games as a starting quarterback, or his teams did. So we, you could make arguments for all of them. Brock Purdy, to me, is the best passing quarterback, I'm talking start to finish, 
being able to do everything, throw the ball down the field, being accurate on short stuff, being able to be mobile. The 49ers have had since Steve Young. Since he's become the starting quarterback, their offense is averaging 35 points a game. And like today, when I talk about the only goal with these players is to score points when you're on offense. Score points. And when Brock Purdy's in the game, the 49ers score points. When Trey Lance played a little couple games, when Jimmy Garoppolo played a ton of t- games, they struggled to score a lot of points. Their defense has been really good. This year, last year, and in 2019, they have struggled on offense despite having a loaded cupboard. Debo Samuel, stud. Kittle, baller. Ayuk, ascending star. Jawan Jennings, fantastic role player. Christian McCaffrey, baller. Elijah Mitchell, underrated stud. If you can get these guys the ball, you are going to be borderline impossible to stop. Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't really do it. Trey Lance in limited time the last couple years really struggled to do it. Brock Purdy, all he does, throw dimes to all these guys and makes plays. Because to me, two things that I don't think we talk about enough to be a really good quarterback is number one, instinctive. Are you, do you have good instincts as a quarterback? Part of that is obviously understanding the offense and the terminology and the reads. Do you have a great feel for the position? And you watch this guy and you go, God, this guy has a great feel for the game. One thing that I was shocked in Trey Lance's limited you know, games was how slow he played for a running quarterback. It's like he didn't know his speed relative to the other guys. Brock Purdy, who you don't view as a runner, is in complete control of his speed running away from NFL players. He had a play today on the sideline where he kind of hesitated and stopped the linebacker and then got a couple extra yards for a first down. His instincts as a player are fantastic. And like we talked about with Trevor Lawrence, being calm, cool, and collected when things are going well and when things are hitting, shit is hitting the fan is paramount as a quarterback. And today, the first half was a little rocky. Never looked flustered. Never looked like made some bad passes, but came back in the second half and eviscerated the Seahawks. And he's been like that every single start. Because even when he makes a bad play or he has a bad moment, he never shows it. His body language is elite. And part of being a quarterback is the way you carry yourself. Everyone's looking at you. That includes Trent Williams, Hall of Fame left tackle. That includes George Kittle. That includes Debo Samuel. In the huddle, they all stare at you. So your mannerisms, the way you conduct yourself, the way you handle yourself in the good and definitely the bad really, really matters. All those memes about Jalen Hurts over the years are important. He doesn't get that happy when they score a touchdown. Just like he doesn't get that mad when he throws a pick. That rubs off on people in a good way. Games are long. Football's hard. You need to show that you are in control. And Brock Purdy, instincts and control and just uh, ability to just kind of be in the moment but not be outside of the moment has been really, really impressive. The Niners, their high end is just stupid high. And now they have a quarterback who can just explode when it comes to points, because that's what they've been doing since then. And last but not least, Seattle. A lot of respect for this season. If you factor in a day, they went 9-9. Nine and nine. Most people, including myself, would have chalked this team as a lock top five picking team in the draft. Most people would have said, it's impossible to win that trade with the Denver Broncos because they're going to get Russell Wilson. So no matter how many draft picks you get, he's going to be good, and they're going to win games, and your pick's going to suck. Well, that was the opposite. 
He was terrible. They're, they're giving you the sixth pick. They gave him a ton of money. That pick alone looks like an all-time fleecing. Then for you to take Geno Smith, win 30 games, like most people, especially a lot of people in the media, because it was the sexy thing to do, and there's a cultish thing with the media. Once, once it becomes popular to say something, then everyone jumps on it. It's actually, you know, it's the easiest thing to do, I think, in the profession. And everyone thought Pete was an idiot, Russell was a star. And there were moments where Pete could have been better and Russ carried the team. But clearly, everyone thought, let him throw, let him throw, let him throw. Pete's like, I'm telling you, that's not a great game plan. And then they get Geno Smith, and he threw, I mean, his numbers this year, he threw 30 touchdowns. They got the very best out of the guy. They clearly have some talent. Now they got the picks. Pete Carroll's a really good coach. John Schneider is a really good general manager. And part of being good in those two roles is seeing the future. And they turned on Russell a little bit as Russell turned on them. And they realized, you know what? We're not all in on this. We're going to short him. Because part of what you have to do as a front office person is value these players like a stock. Is he ascending? Is he descending? Is he kind of just going to be stable for a couple years? And they basically said, we think he's trending down. And when you factor in the money and you factor what we could get for him, adios, see you later. Hell, they tried. They thought about doing it years ago with Josh Allen, and they would have been right then. And they clearly were right now. Now, we'll see what the quarterback situation, signing Gina long-term, you know, I think that could be a risky proposition. Who do they draft? Is there a guy worthy of taking the sixth pick? But what a year for Seattle, who everyone just buried. Just thought, Pete's going to be done, and I'm guilty as anybody. But th- that was a muscle flex year for a guy that's won national championships, Super Bowls, and made the playoffs without Russell Wilson. We'll see if Russell Wilson ever makes the playoffs with Pete Carroll because I would probably, I doubt that one. Okay, let's dive into a little Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Here's what I did. I'm recording this portion about lunchtime uh, on Saturday. So before the playoff games. Obviously, I just touched on everything that happened. Crazy! Though I don't know. But uh, let's dive in to some of your mailbag questions. There's this video of Tom Brady going viral of Sam SBF. It's it's a little awkward. I mean, it did not age well. That's not a question. That's just I, I saw it on the, uh, the Instagram streets. Okay, Dylan, love the pot. Keep crushing in Arizona. I've been a lifelong Patriot fan, so I can't complain since I've enjoyed 20 years of Brady and Bill. But these last few years under Cam Newton, Mac Jones, under the center paired with Belichick's questionable coaching hires have been a tough watch. You talk about Bill hiring his buddies, never breaking outside the coaching tree, but at what point does his previous accolades no longer play a role in his continued tenure as the Patriots head coach GM? Side note, does Bill limit the Patriot chances of garnering a top 10 pick because of his ability to coach up young, no-name players preventing the rebuild? I think he limits their ability to ever get a top 10 pick because he's really good. Like, his understanding how to attack teams... Right? He's just, his team's going to be competitive. Obviously, like you said, random guys become good players there, but a lot of it is he knows how to scheme, you know, and it's hard to watch sometimes offensively, but he does understand the, uh, the plan of attack. Yeah, I would say he's the greatest game planner consistently in the history of the league. Now, you know, reports came out this week, Patricia's out, 
Uh, they're extending Gerard Mayo. Their defensive coaching staff's fine. It's just Patricia, clearly Robert Kraft was like, this is not going to fly. He's got to go. Now, I don't know, as of recording this, I haven't read like he's getting fired from the staff. He's just not going to be the offensive coordinator. It's actually an easy one for Bill to roll back because he never named an offensive coordinator. He just had Matt calling the plays. I think the two guys that are going to be rumored to be their offensive coordinator are going to be Bill O'Brien, been there, and Cliff Kingsbury. Bill, you know, drafted him. Now, Kingsbury's offense is a lot different than what Bill's offense looks like, but Bill could mesh what he does and Cliff does together and maybe get more of a modern-day offense. I I will be a little stunned if it's not one of those two guys. Now, I'm not saying Cliff, super rich. Does he want to go be an offensive coordinator for Bill? Who knows? Uh, Maybe he could go to Alabama if Bill O'Brien leaves. And that's also assuming people think that – Cliff is that good? Like I watch his offense. Is it that great? <laughs> you know, I see a pretty sat, soft spread. Like just doesn't really do it for me. But uh, maybe these guys like him. Okay, now that Mike Williams is injured, should Brandon Staley be fired? No matter what the outcome of the playoffs, I think the Chargers will be a lot better off with Sean Payton, who has expressed interest in coaching them. Obviously, I don't know if they won or not. Uh, I'll be honest. I'll ex- uh, assume they'll win. Him playing Mike Williams, now ultimately Mike could have been injured in practice, right? Back spasms, whatever. It is just so reckless. It is. And I'm sure I talked about it at the front of the podcast, but Brandon Staley now, like, it's always something with the guy. It's insane. It's always something. Every coach makes a bad decision. Wrong time to kick a field goal. Wrong time to call a play. Maybe pushing a player. Too many touches. He gets injured. Like, it's football. I think Brandon Staley, over the course of the two years, is a just terrible decision maker. Obviously, when his team's healthy, he's actually proven to be a better defensive coordinator this year than he was last year. He has nothing to do with Justin Herbert. I I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, now, the, the Spanos is, never forget, they love their cash in a savings account. They don't like spreading it out to other people who then can make them a lot more money. That's why they always hire cheap coaches. So this lock that he would hire... Dean, that is, Sean Payton, I, I I can't feel confident. Though, that seems to me the no-brainer move. WCW. Not, what is WCW? Uh, I, I'm not up with the lingo, but... Respect your non-sugar-coated takes and approach to business. Disregard the fact that this is coming from a dog's IG account. I love dogs, bro. Looks like you got a good-looking dog. It's my only way to DM you. No judgment zone, my man. What Super Bowl matchup do you think would be the best this year from a storyline football perspective? Well, I think the Bills are pretty hard to beat, right? We saw the Bengals last year. Been there, done that. No offense to Bengals fan. Uh, The Chiefs, they've won a Super Bowl before. Pretty sure the Buffalo Bills have never won a Super Bowl. They literally went to four and lost four straight. Everything that happened to that city, that team over the course of... If you've listened to podcasts, read any articles, it is pretty crazy. Everything that has happened to that community on top of that team. Uh, I would say Buffalo. You could argue Jalen Hurts and the Eagles or the 49ers. I I don't think you could go wrong. I'm not trying to be a homer here, but a seventh round Mr. Irrelevant being the starting quarterback against the Buffalo Bills trying to get their first Super Bowl while the Niners are trying to get their sixth. 
I don't think the Eagles are a bad storyline at all either. Jalen Hurts, a guy that everyone discounted, probably playing injured. Uh, I would say Bills versus one of those two teams. Now, you can't go wrong with Mahomes. So, like, if that's a consolation prize. So, I would rank it Bills clear number one in the AFC, then Chiefs, then Bengals. To me, the NFC is Eagles-Niners because those two teams have the opportunity to me to beat one of the AFC, though I think both of them will probably be an underdog. And then you could go the Cowboys just because, shit, it's the Cowboys and uh, they're always a fascinating... If the Cowboys made it the Super Bowl, that would mean they would, you know, beat Brady, beat the Eagles, and beat the Niners. Be a pretty good run for old Mike McCarthy. Mr. Middlecoff, I saw your scouts take video on YouTube about Brock Purdy. I was wondering how you became an NFL scout because it's my dream to be an NFL scout since 2013. I'm a Freshman at a D3 college and involved with the football team. Is there any advice you would give me about trying to become an NFL scout? Well, you're, you're already on the right path. The way I got into football is I, I was at Cal Poly as a student and I got involved with the program. And then from there, I went to Fresno State. College football is the best feeder system to the NFL. I started at Cal Poly. You're at a D3. It's not that much different. We were D1AA. Now, we had some draft picks. So it just kind of got the ball rolling. Uh, I would try to get to a bigger school, either D1AA or Division I. Working recruiting, uh, that, that to me is a great, great springboard. That is my number one advice to anybody. Work in college football, especially now. Who knows? Maybe you can become, you work your way up. You don't even need to go to the NFL. Become a GM of one of these college teams, make like 400 grand, live in the SEC, have the time of your life. I couldn't agree more on your take that uh, Packer fans are exhausted with Rodgers. How about him the other day? It's just like, it's always about retirement with the guy. With that being said, I'm not convinced Jordan Love is a long-term solution, or even in the short term for that matter. Assuming Rodgers retires or moves to another team, what are some of the realistic options for Green Bay at quarterback? Well, the only way Rodgers is, obviously he's got two options to not be on the Packers next year. Retires, or they trade him. And I think in either scenario, Jordan Love is the quarterback next year. You drafted this guy. You've developed this guy. I think it would be borderline malpractice to not give him a year. Now, if they didn't, and like you said, started looking at Jimmy Garoppolo or trade for Derek Carr or do one of those, that would show you what they think of Jordan Love. But I would guess the way they've talked about him, Aaron Rodgers really likes him, thinks he's gotten a lot better. Uh, and I don't think he's just saying that to say it. I would be, if Aaron Rodgers is not your quarterback next year, I'll be shell-shocked if Jordan Love is not your starter. I Honestly, I don't see how Jordan Love is not your starter next year if Rodgers feels like he's more likely to be retired than to be, than to be traded. I think a take that needs to be mentioned about Sean McVay that no one really seems to be talking about is how he absolutely shredded the draft capital of the Rams. Fair enough, won a Super Bowl, but then second things got tough, he's jumping ship. Now, it's been announced he's coming back. I'm sure there's more to the surface level. Doesn't it seem crazy? Do you think there's any truth to it? One difference, if I wanted to defend McVay, is he is, you know, he's my age, 36, 37 years old. He has made an astronomical amount of money. And basically, for almost 20 years now, he works during the season, you know, 18-hour days. Now, he chooses to do that, but that's the way he's wired. And the difference, like Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, and Bill Belichick, when they were Sean McVay's age, none of them had a lot of money. 
So even if they had some quote-unquote other interest or would be like, I just need a break, you couldn't afford to think that way. When you are young, and I would say to me young in 2023 is like under 45, and check your bank account and you have unlimited money relative to what you want to do in life, it makes you think, like it makes you question what you're doing if you're going through a tough time or if you're just burned out. And listen, I've been critical of the story, though I'd be a hypocrite. Like, I changed careers. I've done different things. You know, I'm sure many people listening have followed like, you know, I'm not feeling this. I'll do something else. And if he would have chosen that, though he decided to come back, like, listen, he's no different than anyone else. He just has. The only thing I would say is he's got a pretty sweet job. He's an NFL head coach for a team that is going to return a bunch of guys in LA, and he's a superstar. That job is better than calling games on television. Now, in 10 years, if he had become a superstar on TV, then you could argue they're equals, right? John Madden's job, by the time I was a kid, was as big as most coaches in the NFL. Maybe a short list. Bill Parcells was more famous. You know, uh, Jimmy Johnson, it was a small, small list, a couple college coaches, but John Madden was every bit their equal, and at the time was making more money. Now, the difference is Sean McVay makes every bit of the same amount of money that he would make on TV. It's just obviously an easier lifestyle. Now, like for me, I like golf. I don't think Sean McVay plays golf. Like, what's he going to do with his time? Honestly, like, what do you do every day to fill that void? I, it's it's hard. So even so, listen, my, I'm not. My life is not that difficult. Podcasting, I have to dedicate time to watching sports and reading about them. But I ain't. I don't have to work 18 hour days. Now I do have to stay locked in so I don't sound like an idiot. But I do have some free time on my hands. Like the, you have to fill it. I've got involved in some real estate stuff. I try to trade some stocks on the side. Work out. Like you got to do things to fill your day. Go on a walk with my girlfriend. I, you know, it's not you just. If you're not working like you are in coaching, which is six months a year, fucking all the time, nonstop, you'd go zero to 60 back to zero pretty fast, and it could be a shock to the system. And I do wonder if you realize, like, yeah, I don't really, I'm not ready to do this yet. But I, I think most coaches, given the choice, would do what he did give picks for guys. Now, Jalen Ramsey, I think, tweeted or Instagrammed, he's probably gone, which he probably is. I got into football two years ago. I consume mostly main ESPN Fox shows. However, they lack the insight of someone who had previously worked in the industry. I'm still under the impression that the importance of scouting is constantly glossed over and underrated in the media. Do you think that there is a tendency to oversimplify the job as most football media members seem to portray themselves as great talent evaluators? Sending good vibes from Poland. Well, No hate to the players, and most people on TV are former players. Obviously, their perspective is getting ready for a game, training for the sport, and then playing in the game, which is important. But when it comes to team building, or evaluating who should and shouldn't be on the team, or how much guys are worth, I would say their opinions tend to be pretty shitty. And most of them are not the people I would go to to go like, They've never been a part of, should we trade this guy? Or all season long, when you're in a front office, it's like, how do we upgrade our average right guard? Who can we get to replace our backup linebacker? You're just constantly talking these scenarios like most fans do. 
Honestly, being in the NFL in a front office or a college recruiting office is no different than the way the fans talk. Like, God, damn, this guy's pretty good. We need to extend this guy. Or we really love the guy. Now, the one difference is, is you get to know the people and the personalities really matter. And honestly, some that's where some players are pretty good at talking about personalities, leadership, being around guys, because that does really matter. But in terms of like, it's a black and white business. It's it's cut and dry. You either win or you lose. You either get the job done or you don't. And that's the way you're evaluated, and you're always trying to get better players. Now, there's also a balance of if you can only slightly upgrade, but you love the guy, you roll with it, there are complications. But yeah, I mean, team building, scouting, evaluating the right people, having a philosophical belief in what you look for in positions, in scheme, in an organization. Like, clear, it's pretty clear the, who the Ravens like. Like, is it shocking that they traded for Roquan Smith and then extended him? Like, when you think Roquan Smith, if, you know, obviously got drafted by the Bears, but if you said, like, the Bears, he's not going to be on the Bears. If I would have told you last year, he's not going to be on the Bears. What type teams would he go to? You'd be like, the Steelers, the Ravens, you know, uh, Seattle. I mean, it's, it's, but Kyle Shanahan probably like him. I mean, it's pretty clear the type mindset of coaches and organizations that would like the guy. You go, who probably wouldn't like him? You'd be like, oh, he doesn't really fit on the Dolphins. You know, uh, the, the Commanders. Yeah, it's, it's pretty philosophically easy once you get a feel for what GMs and, and coaches like. But yeah, it's, it's the lifeblood of the league. How those guys build their team. And this is one thing I will defend Belichick on. Belichick takes a lot of shit. He did a pretty good job for a long period of time of finding kind of random guys to become key guys on their championship teams, right? Once he had Tom Brady established, right? Like most of his guys from Julian Edelman's seventh round pick, Matt Slater is what? A six round pick. Not, not most of their guys are not super, like Gronk was a second round pick, but a lot, a lot of their running backs were, were traded for undervalued guys. He traded for Kyle Van Oy, who was a bust in Detroit. Like he, he's. He's pretty good at that, man. He, he, or he was when he had Tom. It's obviously a lot harder when you don't have Brady to pull off some of these moves. Okay, a couple more. Long-time listener, first time uh, asking a question. Do you think DeMar Hamlin will ever play another down in the NFL? Listen, I'm no just state school guy, no doctor here. I would say the way he has a chance to is I don't have heart conditions in my family. Or so I don't have a good feel for like uh, I've just seen it you know when famous people have them and kind of read about them. I would guess if this is something that he's missing a valve or needs a stint or something like that, then no. But if it was just a freak occurrence, they think like, listen, you're more no more likely playing football to have that happen than to have it happen walking your child. Then yeah, I think it's potential for him to make a comeback, right? But I it'd be. I'd be completely pulling it out of my ass and guessing, saying, yeah, he's likely to come back. Or I think the safe bet would be he never plays in the NFL again. Would be the safe bet. I think we'd all root for him. Uh, obviously, it would be an incredible story. I think it'll be cool if he just shows up at one of these games. Uh, but like I said, DeMar Hamlin is the NFL. The majority of the NFL are not superstar players, are not J.J. Watt, future Hall of Famer. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get traded. It's not those guys. It's fifth, sixth, seventh round picks who are fringe starters who play all over the league. DeMar Hamlin's the majority of the league. So when you see like 
A lot of people I've seen talk about this. It felt like you knew DeMar Hamlin in the NFL because he is most guys in the locker room. If you're a fan of a team, most of your team is not like Micah Parsons or Trent Williams. It's like this random fifth-round pick that's starting for you. You're like, God, I kind of like this guy. That's DeMar Hamlin. Six-round pick because of an injury. He becomes a starter. The whole team loves him. It's like well-liked in the league. High-character guy. Dude, it's just easy to root for. So I think like we all agree, when we all hurt when he went down, I think we all couldn't root any harder. A comeback, not a doctor, would be one of the coolest stories in, in my lifetime in the NFL from a heartwarming standpoint by far. Okay, adios. I'll talk to you guys uh, Sunday night, or I guess I'll see you Monday. I'll, I'll record Sunday night, Monday morning after the games coming up on Sunday, and uh, let's keep rocking and rolling. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.